You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. All right, I'm kind of a fan of the uh, 80s and because um, I was a teen there. And uh, I know you thought I was a teen last, like, last decade. Um, and there was a song, MC Hammer. You kind of know where I'm going, right? Too legit, too legit to quit, uh, uh, too legit. Remember that? And everybody's like, eh. the whole hand thing is ridiculous. There's a, uh, you know, the MC Hammer song, too legit to quit, baby. But there are some things that need to be quit, right? I mean, we're always, don't quit, don't give up, don't give in. There are, we are going to talk about that, about certain things. We don't quit, we don't give in, we don't give up. But there are some things we need to quit. There are some things that should be quit. Some things that, uh, that we should never, and something, can you guys think of some things we should never quit? Just shout it out. Breathing, that's a really good one, yes. Eating, <laughs> taking showers, yes. Obviously, these are really important things here. What, what are some things, other things we should not quit? Growing hair, well, sometimes you have no, you have no choice in that one, right? Brushing your teeth, these are all like, like personal hygiene issues. <laughs> you realize that? All right, what, praying? prayer. That's right. Don't quit praying. Don't quit loving. Don't quit loving God. How about don't quit believing? Okay. Now there's obviously things, you know, you don't quit. You know, if you, if you, uh, you know, you hold out, you, you, there's some things you should white knuckle like a marriage. You know what I'm saying? All right. There's some things that you should commit to. So when we're talking about in this series, I quit, we're talking about some of those things that need to change, some of the things that need to go, habits that need to be uh, finally discarded, cords that are finally cut, issues that are finally dealt with, um, things that we still hold on to, but, but we need to change. We all have things we would like to change. Maybe you have a habit, a bad habit that you would like to change, maybe some health habits, maybe you'd like to eat better or or maybe put a little bit more exercise in, maybe you have certain ambitions that need to die, um, maybe you have certain goals to change, like you would like to change your education, maybe you'd like to go back to school, maybe you have a, a spiritual life that you would like to see change, or your marriage, would you would like to see get better or to change, or perhaps you'd like to see some personal goals some personal struggles that you would like to see change. And, and today, I want to talk to you about, I quit making excuses. I quit making an excuse for the things that need to change in my life and in your life. And I want to encourage you, there are things that need to change. And I believe the next 30 minutes could potentially be life-altering for you if you let it. Now, just me saying that, some of you already are giving excuses as to why that's not going to be true for you. He says it's life-changing. Well, not for me, because I don't have any real change, or I don't have the power to change, or there's things that are just too big that can't change in 30 minutes. You're already making excuses for change. I want to talk to you about something, and before we we dive into... um, our stories today from the scripture, I want you to know something right off the bat. And this is, I want you to write this down is that God has more for your life. God has more for your life. He's not finished with you. He's not done with you. You haven't arrived. You haven't finished the job. You haven't you know, run through or pass the finish line. This is how the Apostle Paul says it to a church in Philippi. So the letter is called the Philippians, uh, the letter to the Philippians. So in Philippians 3, 12, it says, not that I have already attained all this, obtained all this. He says, I'm not there yet. Everything I would like to see, everything I'd like to be, everything I would like to do. He says, I'm not there yet. Or have already been made perfect. He says, not only have I not done and did and gone and and achieved everything that I want to be, but I'm not already spiritually where I want to be. He says, I'm not there yet. I'm not sinless. I don't always have it all together. He says, man, I'm I'm not perfect in this life. God's not done with me yet. And he says this, this is great. He says, but 
By the way, today's message is called Big Butts because we always seem to have a big butt when it comes to excuses, but there's an even bigger butt here. I just, that just sounds funny. Philippians, it says, he says, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing forward. I'm not there yet, but I'm moving forward because I know that God has more for me. One thing that I'm convinced of is that I haven't arrived yet, he says, and I haven't accomplished all that God has for me. And guess what? Either have you. You haven't either. The fact that we're still alive means God has more for you and for me. And God is still changing us. And God is still working in us. And God is not finished with us. I am in process. I'm not who I want to be, but thank God he's not finished with me. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't get used to who I am. I'm not who I want to be. Go ahead and tell him. Say, don't get used to who I am. I'm not who I want to be, but I'm on my way. I'm not who I want to be, but I'm on my way. God has more for me in my life. I am in a work in progress. Don't get used to who you are. God, I'm not used to who I am. I am ready to change. No more excuses on my end. No more excuses. Some of you, it's time to get free from addictions. Some of you, it's time to get fully committed to Christ. Some of you, it's time to get healthy. Some of you, it's time to start that business. It's time to get out of debt. It's time to see your marriage turned around. It's time to see your kids turned around. It's time to get new friends. It's time to let go of old friends. It's time to look up old friends. I'm breaking free from bad habits. Don't get used to what I am because I'm about to change. This is what Paul is saying. And today he says, I quit making excuses He says, but I press on, I haven't arrived, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I want you to write this down. In your worship guide, you have a space in your notes where you can write down a couple of things. And I really encourage you to pick up the worship guide each week. On the back, it has additional notes and scriptures and places for you to take some uh, some thoughts, some introspective ideas so that you can... um, walk this out a little bit more and actually go to life team prepared. Um, I want you to write this down. I want you to write down what does God want different in your life? Write down what does God want to be different in your life? Take some time, think about it. What are some things in your life right now that that you need to quit? What are some things right now that you would like to see different? Now, if your neighbor is, is spooking over your shoulder or looking at you, just write, you know, God, you know what it is. <laughs> just, but write it down, all right? Write it down. And the next question is just as big, and that is, I want you to think this through, is why does God want this part of my life to be different? Because a lot of times the things that we want different aren't really what God wants different. So we, we have these goals and ideas, and we expect God to work them out when it may not be what God wants in your life. So I want you to write down, what does God want different? And why does God want it different? Because that really tells us if it's really from God or not. Why would God want me healthier? Why would God want my marriage different? Why would God want my finances different? God, why would you want this habit out of my life? There's pretty good reasons. And I want you to make this very clear. And I want you to write this down, that as soon as I decide to be different, I get excuses to stay the same. Isn't that true? The second you write something down, immediately in your brain, the enemy, the devil comes and says, you can't do that. You're you're too involved. It's too much of a secret. It is too big. It costs too much money. You've gone too far. It is a lie. Satan will give you every reason to stay the same. Today, let's quit making excuses and don't listen to the excuses that come into your mind the second you know God has something in your life he wants to be different. Jesus gave us a great parable about excuses. Now this is a parable about giving your life to Jesus and following Jesus, but I also think it applies to to our excuses in other areas too. So let's take a look at it. 
Luke chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus replied, he said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. By the way, the banquet that he's talking about is eternity with him. It's the wedding supper of the lamb. That means it's the day when this life is through and we get to sit down at the table with our master and Lord Jesus. This is a certain man was preparing a great banquet. That certain man we find out is, is this is a parable and the certain man is Jesus. He says a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited. He said, come, for everything is now ready. He says, tell them I'm ready. Tell them I have something great for them. Are they ready for the biggest change of their life? Are they ready for me to arrive? Verse 18, it says, but they all alike began to make excuses. They began to make excuses. Now, the next few verses tell us the three big excuses that they gave him. And I think they're the same excuses that we tend to give. The first one says, he says, the first one said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please, please excuse me. He says, man, I got things to see. I, I've got, I need to see it. I'm excited about something else. I'm not interested in change right now. I'm not interested in what you have to offer right now. I've got work to do. I just started something. It will have to wait. I've got other things that are more important. The next person says this. Another said, verse 18, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. He says, man, I got things I want to try in life. There are things that I want to experience. Man, I need to try them. I have other pursuits to live first before I surrender all to this issue. Before I surrender all to Jesus, I've just paid for it. Come on, you expect me to get rid of it? I just paid for it. And then verse 20, he says, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And he's like, you know what? I got things to feel. First he said, I got things to see. Second he said, I got things to try. Third one says, I got things to feel. He says, man, I can't. I have other commitments. He says, I don't see why I need to. I don't see why it's important. I've got something else that I have set my attention to. Either we see the urgency or we miss the urgency. Here's the deal. When you have this response, either we don't see the urgency or we're just lazy. And ironically, marriage that is not centered on Jesus is destined for trouble and turbulence. And here's a guy who says, God, I don't have time for you because I just got married. And Jesus is like, oh, you dummy. So it goes on, Luke 16, 21. He says, the servant came and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. The owner of the house is Jesus He says, he became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He says, man, I'm inviting everyone who's been neglected, everyone who's on the bottom of the list, who hasn't been checked off, who wasn't wasn't a part of the in crowd, those that have been forgotten, those that have been hurt. He goes, those are the ones that I'm speaking change into. And then, sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Everybody say there's still room. You know what? God cares about the poor, but he also cares about other people too because there's plenty of room in heaven. I love this phrase. He says, God, there's still room. Then the master told his servants, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. He says, man, God is inviting anyone who will come, anyone who will listen, anyone who's ready to change, anyone who's finished with the excuses. He says, man, I got room for you. Verse 24, I tell you, none of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. He says, man, those who made excuses will never sit at the table with me. You know, we see in this parable three big excuses. I'm not ready. I can do it later. And I don't see the big deal. Some of the things that need to change in your life, those are the big three that you give. God, I'm just not ready for change. God, I can do it later. <laughs> it's not, 
you know, I've got other things I want to do before I tackle that. I kind of like that habit. I kind of like that issue. I kind of like that problem because it, it gives me an excuse to indulge in something else. And it, and it gives me a, a sense of, 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 you know, affection or warmth or whatever. It's, man, I'm, I can do it later. And then someone might say, you know, God wants to move in your life. And you say, I just don't see the big deal. I just, you know, I just don't see the big deal. Moses gives us one more, God calling Moses to a new life and to step out by faith. Moses gave him another example. And he says to God, Moses says, well, I'll probably fail. He says, even if I've tried, I'll probably fail. I've already tried. I've tried before and I failed. I, I, I failed the last time. Some of you, God is speaking to you in an area. You wrote down something or you thought about something. You didn't want to write it down because somebody was snooping on you. And uh, you didn't want to write it down. And you're like, you're thinking already the excuse is, but I tried already. I've tried before and it didn't work. I failed. I struggled and, and I gave in. It didn't work. These are excuses from the enemy himself. Moses gave that same excuse. Let's read that story in Exodus 4.10. God shows up to Moses. Maybe you're familiar with the story of the burning bush. This is the conversation at the burning bush. God shows up. Moses had been a shepherd for 40 years after running for his life, after killing somebody in Egypt. He'd been a son or uh, he'd been in the family of, uh, of Egypt. He had been in the, uh, basically a son of the prince of Egypt for 40 years. He murdered somebody and then he ran. He was living in the desert for 40 years. And God says, but I'm not done with you. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. I have something special for you. And Moses said to the Lord, but Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. You have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and and of tongue. He says, basically, he's saying, God, I don't have the ability. I'm not good enough. He says, he says, I love that I've never been eloquent. He says, man, I've tried in the past or right now. In the past, I've tried to get up and speak. And man, I've stumbled through my words. I don't make any sense. He says, God, I, I, I failed. And, and you're picking the wrong guy. And I want you to know something. And some of you are thinking right now that your issue, your thing, your marriage, your habit, that area that needs to change, maybe that business, it's a good thing that needs to change. Maybe there's something, it's not always bad things that need to change, right? Sometimes you need to do something great and that's a good thing. But some of you, you're, you're thinking, man, it's just too big. What well, good news. What God wants to do is often so big that he calls us to do it and he wants it to be good. It will never be easy. That's often how you know it's a God thing. And that's why God gets the glory when it happens. I want you to make this your declaration today. I want you to put it on the screen. I want you to hear this. If God wants something for my life, I want that for my life. And no excuse can keep me from it. I want you to write that down. This is important is If God wants something for my life, I want that for my life. And no excuse can keep me from it. Guys, there are some of you that you know God wants a healthy family, a healthy marriage, healthy relationships, healthy friendships. You know God wants you to be living without the weight of financial pressure on your back. God wants you to be able to minister freely and to give freely and to love freely and to not worry about the pain and the struggles of the past and the abuse or the hurt or the resentment or the distrust. God says, you know what? If, if, if I want it for you and you trust in me, what can stop you? Excuses are their nails used to build a house of failure. Look at how God responds to excuses to Moses in Exodus 4.11. He says, the Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute or the, with a, who, who can give him the ability to hear or not speak? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? He goes on to say, he says, man, I'm God. I created you. I created this earth. I created this world. And you're telling me that I can't give you the power that you need for change? That I can't work in your, you're telling me. He says, man, I made you. I will handle it. I am with you. I have all the power you need to be different. So stop with the excuses already and trust me. And this is what he says. This verse 12, he gives uh, two responses from God. He says, number one, he says, now go. 
I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Two things that God says to, uh, to Moses that he's saying to our excuses right now. First thing he says, he says, do what you can do. He says, now go. God says, just go and do what you know to do. Go and do what you know you need to do. Go and do what you know that you are able to do. Do the next thing you know how to do and let me, let God help you and teach you from there. Some of you, it's time to quit smoking. In fact, a little bit later on, you know, we're going to take up the offering. Why don't you just throw your cigarettes right in the offering bucket? Go ahead and drop in those drugs. (laughs) You know, you got it in your wallet, in your pocket. Go ahead, man. What a great testimony. It would be, man, I would love to be able to stand before you next week and say, guess what we found in the offering bucket last week. In fact, you can do that any week. Any week you want to quit and you're ready to to be done with the excuses, just drop them in the bucket, man, and we'll believe with you and agree with you and trust with you. Just do what you know you're supposed to. Take the first step and just begin the process and God will take you from there. Just Go. He said, man, begin by just taking a step in the direction that you're supposed to go. Move in that direction and I will do the rest. Some of you, it's time to move in that direction because it's in your heart right now. You got it in your heart. God, I want to change. I want to change. Well, God says, well, okay, now take the first step and drop it in the bucket or drop it down the toilet or have that talk with your wife or sit down with your kids and, and hammer it out. Ask for an apology. It's time to just go and do. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses and taking blame and pushing blame. It's time, maybe some of you, it's time to just go to a small group. Stop making excuses. Well, there's games, there's school, I've got a busy day. You know what? Your small group will be a lifeline for you. Look at that crowd that came, that came around Raquel. Did you see that? That was some of our elders and our leaders. But the majority of them, that was her small group. And you know why she's going to Africa tomorrow? Because her small group got behind her and helped her to raise funds and encourage her and pray for her and organized events. And you know what? She's going tomorrow. God put in her heart earlier this year and she said, no excuses. Everybody might look at Raquel and say, why would you go? You know? And she said, no excuses. She trusted God. She moved in that direction. She was in a small group where they were able to support her and encourage her. Some of you, it's time to be done with the excuses and get in a small group, get in a community. I mean, it's easy to sit here and look at me and go, oh, that's funny. I got it all figured out. But in your brain, you know, you were all screwed up. You get in a small group and you're looking at people eyeball to eyeball. It's a little bit harder to lie to people. Stop making excuses. Get in community. Just do what you know you can do and show up. Here's a, here's a second thing God tells him. He says, trust me to do what you cannot do. God started, he said, I will help you. He said, he said, get started and then I will help you and I will teach you. I will be with you. You know, it's like this, it's like this bike here. I remember um, when I was teaching my girls how to ride a bike. Anybody ever teach their kids how to ride a bike? Now, we happen to have lived in our neighborhood for um, about almost 15 years this Christmas. That's a long time for me. That may be a long time for some of you. I've never lived in one house more than just a couple of years my whole life. So it's a pretty big deal. We've lived there 15 years, and, and there's a lot of our neighbors that have been there for 15 years. So over the years, we've been able to see a lot of parents teach their kids how to ride the bike, how to ride a bike on our street. And it's been really exciting. And I remember so clearly teaching Summer and Noel how to ride a bike. And, you know, the training wheels are so secure, right? They're so, they make you feel so confident. They feel like you can do anything. You put the training wheels on, man, you're not falling over. But boy, you take the training wheels off and it's like, oh, no. I've seen kids on our street just bawling and crying over the whole training wheel issue. And they're like, you know, and, and I was thinking of this, and, and I remember I said, just quit and get on the bike. But we're not asking them to quit trying. We're asking, there's certain things you got to quit, certain things you don't quit. But 
I remember Noel got it pretty quick. It only took her like two days and she was, man, she was killing it. And Summer did it really quickly as well. But I remember, here's, here's how, if you've ever helped, a, man, there's nothing like helping your kid ride a bike. Nothing. You know how I learned to ride a bike? On my own. By myself. In Tyler, Texas. In a small little tore up rental house that we were living in as we were moving again and again. I learned to ride a bike when I was, uh, or without training wheels when I was uh, in kindergarten. So I was like five. And uh, I remember riding my bike and uh, I hit a tree and a scorpion fell on me. <laughs> and I was like, ah, scorpion. Yeah. So that's my adventure. But I remember it, what a good father does, a good mother does. is they're out there, right? And you get them on the bike and, and you say, just pedal, right? You got to pedal. If you pedal, you'll move, Right? Because that's the deal. Um, training wheels, you don't have to pedal. You just, you can sit on it. You don't, you just stay up. But God says, all right, training wheels off. It's time to go. Now just, just go. Just go, right? Pedal, 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 pedal. Right? And you let go. And, and the whole time they're like, no. Right? And here's what God is saying to us today. He says, you know what? Some of you, you have to just get on and pedal and know that I'm holding you and I've got you. You're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to fall. And if you do, I'm not very far away. I will help you and I will teach you. But you got to pedal. You got to move. You got you to begin. You got to step out. It's called faith. Our whole relationship with God is based upon this healthy spiritual faith risks that we are to take. That's how we know we're walking with God because we're doing things that seem out of the, out of the ordinary they're bigger than ourselves. Well, that's why it's called faith. You got to trust in somebody who's trustworthy. God is trustworthy. He hasn't proven himself anything but trustworthy. And God says, get on the bike, pedal, and I'm going to run alongside of you. And I'm not going to let go until I know you got it. But pedal, and I will help you, and I will teach you. And you know, many of you guys, you know what happened with Moses. He ended up being the lawgiver, he ended up giving us the first five books of the Bible, became one of the greatest prophets of the entire scriptures. And here he is, a shepherd, 40 years hiding in the desert who couldn't speak. And God said, just pedal, just go and do what you know how to do. And I will help you to do what you cannot do. If God wants it for you, and you want it for you, nothing can stop you. No demon, no person, no circumstance, no lack. Trust God. So let's talk about how to pedal. I'm going to end with a story, and we're talking about how to pedal. And the story, well, it's actually not a story, it's a passage in Philippians. It's a great passage that we started off with, Philippians 3.12. If in your life, if in your marriage, if in your dreams, if you know it's something God wants for you, and you want it for you, here's how you pedal. Philippians 3.12 says, Now, not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal. He says, man, I'm not finished. Don't get used to who I am. I'm not who I want to be. I'm not where I want to be, but God's not done with me. He goes on to say, but, there's always big butts involved, and this is a good big butt. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm on my way with Jesus. Verse 13, he says, brothers and sisters, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He repeats, he says, I haven't arrived yet. I mean, I'm writing these letters to you as an apostle, but I'm still letting God work in me. I'm not who I want to be still, but I'm on my way. He says, I haven't taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, everybody say, but one thing I do. I like that. He says, one thing I do, no more excuses. He says, forgetting what is behind, no more excuses. And straining toward what is ahead, he says, no more excuses. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's three things to get you pedaling. Number one is forget the past. Paul says, one thing I do is I forget what is behind. Don't let, there's two parts of this. Don't let past 
successes stop you from what is ahead. God has more for you, but you can't live in the past. Some of you are like, well, my marriage used to be so good. It will never be back to that place again. Or my finances used to be so good. It will never get back to that again. Or my life used to be so good and I'll never be back to that again. Many never receive what God has for them because they get stuck in yesterday. It's, it's the people say, remember when? Remember when? People say, remember when gas was only 50 cents? First of all, no, I don't. I remember a dollar, but I don't remember 50 cents. He says, remember when gas was only 50 cents? Really, why don't you tell us how you made a dollar 50 an hour too? Tell the whole story. And years before, the ga- years before that gas was a nickel. <laughs> the story is never as good. The past is never as good as often as you think it was. First of all, he says, well, at my last job, at the last place I lived, my, my, the last car I used to have, my last husband, you keep saying that, you're going to have another one too. He says, my last church, I got a question for you. Why are you here if, if you're worried about your last church? You're not there anymore. You're here. Forget the past. The major key to moving forward is learning to celebrate the past, but not want to go back. Right? Some of you, you live in the past. And you, if only things could be like they used to be, they'll never be the way they used to be. You're here, and they can be better than they used to be. You've got to learn to celebrate the past without wanting to go back. So many people chain to past mistakes Past failures, past sin. Here's another thing to this is don't let past failures stop you from what is ahead. Some of you, you look at your life and you, man, you feel like a total loser. You feel like you've done too much, gone too far, experienced too much, said too much. Put your hand to too many things. Let your feet take you to too many places. Paul says one thing. He says, man, if there's one thing that I can do, if there's one thing that's going to start me off with a change, I know God's not done with me, but there's one thing I got to do. He says, I got to forget the past. If I'm going to change, I got to let go of the past. He says, I got to forget the past and move forward. Some of you say, but how can I move forward? I've blown it so much. I've made so many mistakes, man. Good news, man. Jesus died for that very reason. Jesus came and walked this earth and experienced pain and suffering and went to a cross for the very reason of our past mistakes, the very reason of our failures and our insecurities and our shame and our sin and our guilt and the things we've done and the things done to us. The very reason he went to the cross was for that. So good news, you can forget the past. Jesus forgives and forgets. We need to do the same. It's time to move forward. A major key to moving forward is learning from the past without wanting to repeat the past mistakes. You don't live in the past, but you learn from the past. Henry Ford, the, the inventor of the assembly line and the Ford cars, he said, failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. What we have is we have rear view living. So many of us, we drive obsessing about the rear view mirror. Who's back there? Who's back there? Who's back there? Who's who's behind me? You know, you can't live with your eyes in the rear view mirror. You will crash. You will crash. And you'll hurt everyone who's on the ride with you. Defeat is sure to come when you live in the past, no matter how bad you like to, you can't live yesterday again. Genesis nineteen seventeen. Here's a story about Lot, who is the nephew of Abraham, who's one of the early founders of our faith. And Abraham was given an insight into a city called Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, this was a city that was filled with all kinds of sin. And God told Abraham, he says, man, you've got a, a nephew uh, that lives in that city, why don't you go and, and, and bring them out of the city because I'm, I'm going to take out, I'm going to watch, I'm going to take an eraser to the city. There's so much sin there. Their hearts are so evil. They're, they're causing so much influential, you know, 
issues in the area. He says, I got to take him out. So he goes down there to get his, his, his nephew out. Verse 17 and 19, he says, as soon as they had brought them out, that's Lot and his wife, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. You jump down to the story in verse 26. It says, but Lot's wife looked back. And I don't think it was just, you know, because it says she turned to salt. Look at the next verse, or the next part. It says, she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Some people think, well, she's just running and looked. That's unfair, God, you know. Did she literally become a pillar of salt? First of all, we're going to find out in a minute, Jesus mentioned her as a real person and a real event and a real experience. Now, did she actually turn into a pillar of salt at that moment or did she... We don't, we don't really know. We know that what rained down was fire and sulfur. And that whole area to this day is covered in salt deposits. In fact, the entire area uh, does not have the ability to, to grow uh, from the earth because of the amount of sodium that is in the, uh, the surface of, of, the, of the ground and the plains. In fact, the entire mountains are covered with salt deposits. So, when it said she turned to a pillar of salt, I don't know if it was like like Medusa or something except salt, but we do know that she was affected in a very serious way in the way that the city was taken out. Now, here's the big deal. Someone say, why is it a big deal? She just looked back. You see, the word look back means she set her affections back. It means that she... Uh, set her attention or paid attention or fixated. That's what the word there means. Uh, Lot's wife missed out on what God had for her because she was stuck in the past. See, we don't know why she looked back. Her former life maybe was there and she was looking back. Oh man, I just wish things could be that way. Or man, I left my, 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 my sewing kit or whatever. I, you know, the, the sons that her daughters were to marry to be her son-in-laws, they were still in the city. Maybe she was looking back, hoping that maybe they would come. We don't know why. Maybe it was her friends. I don't know, but she looked back and she missed what God had for her. Now, listen to this. 2,000 years later, Jesus brings her up. 2,000 years later, he's talking about what it means to follow him. And this is what he says in Luke 17, 32. He says, remember Lot's wife. Everybody, turn to your neighbor and say, remember Lot's wife? He said, he said, remember Lot's wife. He says, whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, for my sake, he says, will preserve it. He says, there's some of you, and this is what the key was to Lot's life, is she didn't want to leave her old life. It wasn't that she took a, a peek. It's because she was fixated on her old life and wasn't ready to change. She wasn't ready to let God take her to a new place, a new level, and she looked back. It's time to quit looking back. It's time to quit. Every time you get ready to look back, remember, Lot's wife. Every time you get ready to live in the past, remember, Lot's wife. Every time you wish things were the way they used to be, remember, Lot's wife. Every time you get an excuse to go back to that old habit, Remember Lot's wife. That's what Jesus says. Remember Lot's wife? In Luke 9, 57 through 62, a man tells Jesus, he says, Jesus, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, well, you know, following me means you won't have a lot of stuff. Jesus says, I don't have a place that I call home and I don't have a lot of clothing. Are you prepared to sacrifice if you're going to follow me? It will be hard and unpredictable. He turns to another and he says, how about you? You follow me. And this is what the guy said. Still another, they started giving excuses. A man replies, well, let me wait until my dad is dead. Basically, that means wait until my obligations are finished. He, his dad wasn't dying at that moment. He was saying, let me wait 10, 20, 30, 40 years until my, you see, this was a business deal. They had a responsibility to family business. And he's saying, let me wait until, you know, 30, 40 years, I'll, I'll serve you then, Jesus. And still another says, well, let me say goodbye to everyone. Now, some people say Jesus didn't like him wanting to go back and say goodbye. Well, how heartless. 
How heartless is Jesus wouldn't let somebody go back and say goodbye to his friends? No, Jesus knows the heart of this man. And he knew that if he went back, he was never coming back because this is what he said in Luke 9, 62. He says, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So it's time to forget. It's time to move past the past. We can celebrate it and we can learn from it, but we don't want to go back to it. We don't want to repeat it. It's time to move on. Philippians 3.13 says, One thing I do, I forget the past. I consider myself yet not to have attained it, but one thing I do, forget what is behind, and I strain forward to what is ahead. Here's the second thing on pedaling. If you want to move past the excuses, you got to forget the past, quit holding on to it, and you need to fight forward. He says, I strain forward. You know what strain means? It means like he's pushing, he's fighting, he's punching, he's clearing the brush. He is straining forward. You know, Robert here, I think of you, man, because you're a boxer. You know, and I think sometimes, man, your body, when you're boxing, I, I tried boxing once for like a video I did for, for church one time for an illustration. And I got in the ring, man, I, I, whew, man, I, they were like minute rounds. And I was like, <laughs> It's like, it was the the movement and the punches, receiving those punches takes out just as much of your energy and strength as any action does. So you're receiving these punches, you're you're trying to punch and you, you know, you're exhausted. And I think, I think of this image, man, you just, you're straining. Oh, I'm not giving up. Paul says, man, fight forward. He says, fight forward. He says, fight forward. Forget the past and fight forward. He says, man, one thing I do is I forget the past and I strain forward. Paul says, I'm straining, I'm fighting, I'm wrestling, I'm battling. He says, sometimes you got to press through. Sometimes you got to push through. Sometimes you just got to say, I am moving forward. God's word is like a machete cutting through the brush of our life. And we've got to get God's word in our life and use his word to cut through and to clear the way. And he is our strength. The Holy Spirit is our power. His word is our weapon. And we just got to boom, 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 fight forward. Some of you, you rely on the word of your excuses greater than the word of God. And you listen to the enemy's words instead of God's words. He says, know this, I may get down, but I won't give up. I won't give in and I won't give out. I will strain, I will fight forward. Some of you guys, you quit fighting for your marriage a long time ago. Some of you, you quit fighting for your kids a long time ago. Some of you have quit trying to do your finances right. Some of you have quit trying to being, to being a better dad. A, d- a better husband, a better parent. Some of you have quit. Paul says, man, don't focus on your past successes or mistakes. Fight forward, strain forward, push forward, move forward. You're gonna get punched. You're gonna get hit. You're gonna fail. But thank God he's not done with me yet. Don't get, yet, get, don't get used to who I am. Know this. I want you to write this down. It's not in your notes. Know this. You are going to try and you are going to fail. But if you keep trusting God and keep trying, you will be different. Change will come. That is a challenge to you. Every time you get hit in the face in your life, don't give up. Don't give in. Fight forward. Every time you fail and make a mistake, every time you blow it, every time you did exactly what you said you weren't going to do, don't give up. Don't give in. Quit making excuses and move forward and fight forward. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, In our weakness, he is made strong. For where there is a will, Jesus is the way. And it's not your will, it's not your strength, it's not your power, it's the power of Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, he goes on to say, I consider myself yet to have taken, not yet to have taken hold of it. He says, but one thing I do, he says, man, number one, he says, I'm forgetting what is behind. Number two, I'm straining toward what is ahead. And number three, he says, I press on. Everybody say, I press on. I like that. He says, man, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want you to write this down. The third thing is stay focused on the prize. Stay focused on the goal. Stay focused. Keep your eyes 
on the mark and press forward, press forward. Paul stayed focused on the goal that God had for him. And for all of us, it is reward in heaven. It is heaven. It is a walk with God. And I want you to know, what is your goal? Man, maybe your goal is, is a marriage that's turned around, kids that are turned around, money that is turned around, a business that is turned around. Maybe it, it is a personal issue, a habit that is turned around. I want to tell you something. What is your goal? Keep your eyes on that goal. And when you stumble, when you fall, when you roll, get up and keep moving forward, baby. You know what I'm saying? Press forward. He said, man, I got my eyes on the goal. This is big because there's one thing that I'm not. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. And there are so many people that quit like that. They quit like that. And we got a whole culture that doesn't even know what commitment means. Doesn't even know what loyalty means. Doesn't even know what faithfulness means. Man, we got people, man, that, man, that, hey, well, you know, the marriage doesn't work out, just quit. You don't like the job, just quit. You know, kids aren't working out, just kick them out. We quit. Paul says, man, I'm not a quitter. When it comes to the things that are important, I'm not going to quit. When it comes to the excuses, I quit. I press forward. I forget the past. I fight forward. I strain forward. And I'm just focused on the prize. It's not good enough to just forget the past. You have to stay focused on the future that God has for you. We're called to be people of faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Quit living by what you see and live by the vision of what you hope for. Live by the goal in which you are pressing forward. Quit making excuses and start taking steps of faith towards your future. Faith faces forward. Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is being sure. Everybody say, I'm sure. He says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. See, faith is not, well, I sure hope it works out. I hope I get free. I hope I get, you know, out of this. I hope my marriage works out. Uh, no, it's, it's seeing and being sure of something that it hasn't happened yet. It is, I love this, it's being sure of what we hope for. It's being sure of it. It's more than just a, I hope. It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Guys, it's time to have eyes of faith for your family, eyes of faith for your marriage, eyes of faith for your finances, eyes of faith for your friends, eyes of faith for your school, eyes of faith for your mom and dad, eyes of faith for your kids, and keep your eyes on the goal. And let me tell you something. If God wants it for you, and you want what God wants for you, no excuse can stop you. No demon in hell, no person on this planet, no circumstance can say, if God wants it, and you know that God wants it, nothing can stop you. So quit making excuses. Quit looking back. By faith, step out onto what God has for you. Strain forward, press forward. Keep your eyes on the goal of Jesus. Jesus, I declare today, no looking back. So here's what you guys need to do today. I will, I don't know about you, but I will get on this bike and I will trust Jesus. And when I fall, I will get back up again. Did my daughters fall when they learned to ride a bike? They sure did. Did I ever leave them when they fell? Never. Did I help them get back up? What a good father does, what a good mother does. Do they know how to ride a bike today? Yes, they do. They sure do. It's time to get on the bike. It's time to pedal. Trust God. Forget the past. Quit looking in the rearview mirror. Quit making excuses. Let God help you and teach you in the areas that you don't know what to do. And trust that God will change you. Let's pray. For some of you as we're praying, it's time for you to take a ride. And give Jesus the reins. I remember when I was teaching my girls how to ride a bike and they couldn't feel me there. 
But I was holding the seat and I was holding the handlebars and I was behind them the whole time. And they would yell, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? And I would say, I got you. I got you, baby. I got you. You know, some of you, that's where you are. You're saying, God, are you there? Are you there? God, are you there? And God is saying, I got you, baby. I got you, sir. I got you, man. I got you. I have you. Trust me. Keep pedaling. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't move back, but move forward. Quit with the excuses and trust in me. Some of you, it's time to get on the bike and let Jesus have control of your life. And if that's you today, I want to give you a chance just right where you're sitting. Just talk to God for a minute. Just say, Jesus, here's my life. I've made mistakes. I've failed. I've fallen. Forgive me of my sin. Go ahead and talk to him. Say, Jesus, I realize that my way was wrong and that your way is right. Walk with me. Teach me. Forgive me. I want to walk with you. Spend a minute. Talk, talk to Jesus. Some of you guys, it's time. Maybe you're already walking with Jesus, but it's time for you to trust him. It's time to step out in faith. It's time to die to the excuses. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm finished with the excuses. I quit them. Go ahead and talk to Jesus about it. Say, Jesus, I quit making excuses about. And you tell him. Tell him right now. Jesus, I quit making excuses about my marriage. I quit making excuses about my sexual life. God, I quit making excuses about how I live my life and the things that I do. God, I quit making excuses, and God, I trust you. Help me to to strain forward. That when I fail, you're still with me. God, help me to trust you in that. In Jesus' name, amen. And some of you, it's time to move forward now with the decision that you wrote down on what needs to change. For some of you, that might mean talking with your wife, with your husband, with your family, with a friend. It might mean going to a small group and talking about this to your life team. It might mean putting down on the card that you need to talk to somebody and letting one of, a, one of our leaders contact you and encourage you. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. It's time to be done with the excuses and to move forward. So I encourage you, pedal. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.